Well, hello, everyone. I hope this podcast finds you well. Uh, my name is Matt Hain, and I serve as Director of Programs and Education at the Study Center. Uh, very glad to take a turn here on this podcast that's been spearheaded by Bill Boyd, our Director of Spiritual Formation. What I want to share with you today concerns a classic Christian text uh, that the Study Center is hosting a few summer reading groups on right now. And that text is The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis. This will be the focus of our podcast the next few days. And today I wanted to begin with some reflections on the context and background of this work before we dive in. Abolition of Man may be familiar to many of you. It has rightfully earned its reputation as a classic. Uh, Lewis himself referred to Abolition of Man in 1955 as, quote, almost my favorite among my books. Makes you wonder what his actual favorite was, but apparently Abolition was almost his favorite. Uh, Lewis biographer Alan Jacobs describes Abolition of Man as, quote, the most profound of Lewis's cultural critiques. And Joseph Ratzinger, the future Pope Benedict himself, has written in praise of the keen accuracy of Lewis's moral diagnosis in this work. National Review uh, chose Abolition of Man as number seven on their 100 best nonfiction books of the 20th century. And the text for Abolition of Man has been quoted from the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives and has been cited extensively by the former chair of the U.S. President's Council on Bioethics. So just a a few quick tidbits to kind of capture some of the significance uh, of the reception of this work. To understand Abolition of Man, uh, we have to begin with a few simple questions first. Things like, you know, why did Lewis write Abolition of Man? Uh, What was his motivation in doing so? What context did it emerge from? When was it written? To answer these questions, it's helpful to turn to C.S. Lewis scholar Alan Jacobs and his 2018 book, The Year of Our Lord, 1943, Christian Humanism in an Age of Crisis. This book by Jacobs focuses on five important Christian thinkers from the year 1943. These thinkers are poets T.S. Eliot and W.H. Auden, writer Simone Weil, the Roman Catholic theologian Jacques Maritain, and C.S. Lewis, who you might classify as a medievalist or, or more aptly a uh, kind of a jack-of-all-trades. The opening scene of Jacob's book is the Casablanca Conference of January 1943. And this is when the, the leaders of the Allied powers gathered together to strategize in light of the demise of Germany and the Axis foes, uh, which was becoming increasingly clear at this point, still a far ways off, but increasingly clear that the war had turned uh, in, in favor of the Allied powers. Jacobs uh, captures this moment well for us in the book. And so allow me to read just a few brief excerpts here. Jacobs writes, All parties involved at the Casablanca conference agreed that the tide had turned, that the era of the unstoppable blitzkrieg was over, and that Germany would hereafter be on the defensive. On the home front, thoughts began to turn to life after the war. What kind of world would be left to us when the Axis powers had suffered that inevitable disaster? There would be much remaking and reshaping to do. Who would do it, and what principles would govern them? Such thoughts were on the minds of many, and some of the more ambitious and provocative ideas emerged from a small group of Christian intellectuals. These are the uh, five aforementioned thinkers um, that we just referenced. He writes about these uh, figures that you know they, they all operated independently of one another. They wrote on different topics. However, there was a common thread. Uh, he's, Jacobs writes, These arguments had little in common, the arguments of these five authors, a little in common with one another, except a conviction that the world had gone astray 
because its people had been poorly educated, and if the total destruction of the human world were to be averted, new ways of educating had to be found. Uh, Jacobs continues to write, the unspoken question underlying all the explorations of these authors was the same. If the free societies of the West win this great world war, how might their young people be educated in a way that made them worthy of that victory and that made another war on that scale at worst avoidable and at best unthinkable? Now, I want to preface this by saying it's always difficult to draw too close of parallels between one historical period and another. Um, but the subtitle of Jacob's book, An Age of Crisis, I think is, is fair to aptly uh, apply to our own day also. Um, as of the time of this recording, COVID-19 has killed over 110,000 Americans and 408,000 people globally. Unemployment is high right now and economic confidence is low. And the future, in many senses, feels unclear. The future of beloved institutions that are crucial to our daily life seem to be hanging in the balance right now. Um, church congregations, when will, we, will, when will we be able to worship with one another again? Um, schools, local businesses, universities, what will these institutions look like going forward? Uh, a slew of recent killings have also shed new light on racial injustice in our society, also in racial inequalities and violent brutality. Um, the social fabric of our country shows signs of fraying right now. And with that in mind, I think it's a more fitting time than ever um, to read Abolition of Man and to ask these same questions that Lewis raised in the context of World War II. Uh, again, these are kind of paraphrases of those quotes we just read from Jacobs, but we can apply them to our own day also. What kind of world will be left to us when the current pandemic and crises pass? Uh, there will be much remaking and reshaping to do. So questions are important, such as who will do it and what principles will govern them as we reshape and remake the world. Uh, does Lewis's diagnosis uh, capture our age as well, that the world has gone astray because its people have been poorly educated? And if widespread destruction is to be averted, new ways of educating must be found. Does that capture our day also? If we win the war against COVID-19, how might young people be educated and formed this is education in the broadest sense. How might we form young people in such a way to make them worthy of this victory and new era and that make future pandemics and social unrest on the scale we're seeing unthinkable? In the long view of history, will COVID-19 be seen as a blip on the radar that temporarily interrupted life according to the, quote, status quo? Or will the long view of history see this as a time and a season, uh, a Kairos moment when Christians were at the forefront of re-envisioning uh, recasting, reshaping, and remaking society, institutions, churches, homes, communities. We'll explore these questions uh, together the next several days as we work our way through Abolition of Man. Uh, we invite you to join the reading group or also to listen in on this podcast. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you, Bill, for, for having me today. And I hope you continue to join us. Blessings to you.